I do feel like potentially they would have preferred me to have gone into something more academic. Like being a lawyer? Or... Like being a plastic surgeon. Oh, really? Really? Mm, because Lebanon is massive, isn't it? It's huge, by the way. Plastic surgery over there is, is massive. But I feel like... Shifty Hadeka Rujel. Shifty Hadeka Rujel. Oh, good. <laughs> not bad, not bad. You get me, you get me Arab ones, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Ka'annu. <laughs> Ka'annu. Aam. Aam. <laughs> yep, you got the hang. <laughs> yeah, killik. Yeah, killik. Jildik. Jildik. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, really good. You got the hands and you really wrapped. I am a Lebanese. (laughs) Just to put it into perspective, yeah. So you're going through a separation. Hmm. You're pregnant with your first child, and you're trying to run a business. Hmm. And somehow, one way or another, you got through it. Mm -hmm. That's uh, quite achievement, to be uh, to be honest. You know what, let's just get straight into it because we're talking a lot mm. offline. Yeah. And I think a lot of this content is going to be good for the podcast. Very so much. What's going on, people? Welcome to the fourth episode of the Minted Minds podcast. Um, today we have Rima Tadmari. She owns and runs a company that specializes in wedding dresses. Um, how are we today? Good. Yeah. Very nice good, not price. nervous at all. <laughs> <laughs> really good, you tested my parallel parking this morning. Well, you done it, mm. fair play to you. It was quite tight to be fair. Yeah, it was. And you got a big car, so. Tight for me as well. <laughs> but you do, have, you do have sensors though, so. It's kind Just of at the back, not the front. My car's got no sensors and I've got tints, so it's like the worst. So I'm doing a lot of guesswork, so if I hit something, I'll know, yeah, I've reached the end. <laughs> this is the worst comparison, because right here I'm sat on this end as a girl, and you're sat on that end as a guy. So we're already having stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> you want to keep, I'm, I'm, keep I'm it on? I'm going to better drivers than women. No. Come on, I went to Do JC not. Massive. <laughs> I'm technically a road girl. <laughs> <laughs> JC Massive. Big up JC Mandem, <laughs> and the girl Dem, obviously. Did I just tell everyone that I went there? You went JC. You we went JC. I have an ugly photo on the wall there. It's so really? ugly. Uh, we were the last year, actually. Mm. Wait, were we in the same year? Yeah, we were. So, before it got knocked down. Yeah, so we were the last year before it got... Mm. Was that emotional for you? No. Do you have a lot of memories there? Yes. Do you miss JC? Uh, not really. I think I miss my mm. youth more than JC. Hmm. Well, from what I can remember from my photographic memory is mm-hmm. you look pretty much the same. Do I? Yeah. I know I, I haven't. Like, I can I can gladly say I haven't, yeah. But yeah, from, from what I can remember. We didn't really speak much, obviously, in JC. I think we spoke a little I bit afterwards. I didn't talk to guys, then. Ooh, prestige. <laughs> no, she was in the hijab corner. Early. I wasn't, actually, you know. When I no, started, wasn't. I wasn't really? wearing one. Oh, really? Okay. No, that was part of, like, the move to, mm. you know... The Arabs took me in. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, from JC? Yeah. Was it a big... Okay. Oh, actually, there were quite a few Arabs there, there was, there? Yeah, a lot. Mm. Um, and obviously then it was like, oh, well, I'm not a white mm. girl. I need to wear hijab. And, you yeah. know when you're surrounded by people who are wearing it? Were you wearing hijab? That's right, yeah, 100%. No. Oh, you wasn't? First year, I wasn't, no. That's I was... why I stood out like a... <laughs> you see, you know in Borsalith, you got all the Arabs in that kind of area. That's why you got majority of them going to chase. People didn't understand what I was. Mm. Like, the I white didn't. and Muslim was a bit confusing. I thought you were white. If I'm being there you go. Honest. No, no, so what, what are you? What's, what's your mixed heritage, if you've got a mixed heritage? No, I'm just 
full Lebanese. 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 Mm. Yeah, you don't get a lot of Lebanese down here, innit? No. I think majority of them are we in don't, London. We don't migrate here. We're all in London. <laughs> yeah, they're all in London, innit? Yeah. Have you been back to Lebanon? Lebanon. The last time I went was in 2017. Okay, so hmm. not that long. It's bad now, the situation. Is it? Hmm. So is it quite dangerous if you were to go there now? Hmm. I feel a bit choked up now. <laughs> no, I don't mean. No, like, there's always been a really bad political climate there with the government, as mm. most governments are. Um, but things have gotten quite bad. Um, a lot of people have been cut off in terms of, like, their finances. They can only access, like, I would say, probably in comparison to what we would get here, like, maybe £200 a month and they have to live off that, but... If I was mm. to give you a comparison on inflation there, like if I was to go and buy um, Pampers, for example, for £5, over there it's like £35. Oh, wow. wow. That's Very crazy. bad. And obviously, Corona's <laughs> hit hard there. And Do you have family there? Mm. Right. Yeah. What's Pakistan like? Pakistan? Yeah. It's a bit the same. I think everything's well, expensive there as well. I think the inflation as well, the same thing. Like yeah, because everyone's got, having a go. You've got, like you got a massive gap between like the poor people yeah, then you got the rich people huge down now. here. Down here, you, you know, it's a bit more stable because you know what I think. Well, personally, yeah, I think they got. I don't want to get too political because I was a business. Oh, no, I was but, feeling that. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't yeah. know it was going to hit that deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> no, no, it's all right. It's no, all right. but even even down here, like uh, these guys, the Western countries, yeah, not to slate them fully, but they can afford to kind of pay for the hierarchy if you know what I mean mm. like whereas the other kind of sort of countries where where it's been kind of invaded and you know taken over by the, by the west they're automatically like you know you got the poor people and you got the rich but the economy is so bad that they can't afford to have that middle gap mm. whereas these guys can hopefully Imran Khan's going to switch things around in Pakistan inshallah hopefully, hopefully inshallah <laughs> and, um, I think you know it just uh, so, what's your opinion? So, you reckon um, Bojo has handled it properly? I don't know why this is turning into a political podcast. Yeah. Do you know what? It's, I guess depending on who you, who you ask that question to, I'm everybody has a different opinion. <laughs> so, what's your opinion? Because <laughs> okay. obviously, you're coming from a business owner perspective. So, from a p- business perspective, I feel like I'm super lucky right now because I'm in a position where I'm not self-employed. My okay, company is so a limited company, so I've been covered from that perspective of it in terms of like. Furlough, um, grants, mm, grants and stuff, yeah. Um, but that situation could have been very different. Yeah. If that wasn't the case. Mm. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think um, if it wasn't for these grants mm. and stuff, I think I love. Have you got any employees then? Or? At the moment, no. So it's just, just myself right okay. now. Okay, that's. Uh, let's talk about your company then. Uh, so you deal in special specializing in um, uh, wedding dresses. Mm-hmm. How, how did that all start? Like, were you into, always into fashion? Was it something that you've always wanted to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so from... This is going to sound so cliche now, but do you know when I people do. say, oh, I have a fa- passion for fashion? It was literally passion like that. For fashion. Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't remember that. Do you? It's like a song or something. Isn't it? <laughs> do you? I don't um, know why I remember it. Yeah, why do you remember I don't know. it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, why do you remember yeah, you it? Yeah, you must know. Know. That Shall we go into that? This is going to Um... So my grandma used to make wedding dresses, okay. just dresses mm. in general. So um, I used to be Snow White. Um, wonder why? I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> so I, she always used to make me these um, Disney princess dresses and I used to just love watching her. Mm. Um, 
that's not to say that I grew up as a princess. Let's just put it out there. Um, but yeah, my direction was always very creative. I was always into the arts. I actually was chosen as a gifted and talented student as in an artist. Really? <laughs> wow. So that's, so that's how you started, I was, but wow, you know what? Hard. My parents never let me... Do you know sometimes where some parents can be really encouraging and be like, oh my God, you're doing amazing. They were never like that. They always played it down. Oh, is really? that because you come from an Arab background? Are they, is that the sort of common... Um, I do feel like potentially they would have preferred me to have gone into something more academic. Like being a lawyer? Or... Like being a plastic surgeon. Oh, really? Really? Mm, because Lebanon is massive, isn't it? It's huge, by the way. Plastic surgery over there is, is massive. But I feel like because I was creative, they thought, okay, let's translate that into something academic. Hmm. So then there was obviously plastic surgeon put forward and then architecture, hmm. um, graphic designer. Wow. But I just, I knew that I wanted to go into So fashion. if you turned out to be a graphic designer, hmm. your family would have been like really proud and happy for you? I think they would have been happier if I was a plastic surgeon. Yeah, okay. There's a big difference in like <laughs> a plastic surgeon, isn't it? But okay, so that's, that's, I didn't know that. Because... But don't get me wrong, they're super happy now. But obviously, after I got to a certain point where they realised actually she's doing something and it's actually working, it wasn't until, yeah. that, until then that each one of my family, especially my brothers, they were like, we're not going to lie, we actually didn't think you were going to make anything of it. And that hit here. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah. So they encouraged me, don't get me wrong, like they never stood in my way and said, don't do that or do something different. They were always very supportive. Yeah. But it wasn't until I reached a certain checkpoint that they were like, okay, you've done it kind of thing. Because I know with, with um, this is me generally speaking, by the way, um, you know, with the Pakistani parents, traditionally we get pushed to kind of go into medicine or lawyer accountant you know something of that sort of profession mm -hmm. so if we were to turn around and say you know mom i want to become a graphic designer or you know a plastic surgeon even you know we would get looks like what Are you really like, yeah yeah because i wanted to be an mma fighter and my dad was like mate you ain't doing the mma <laughs> i did it sorry dude but like i did it five years then I mean, I just want to put that out there. <laughs> Seen his Instagram no, bio, so he had to say <laughs> nah, Do you want to sit here? Then, <laughs> are you sure? I think I would achieve the way you've achieved, you know, your industry. Do so, you know I mean? thank God for this makeup right now. You've just seen me go tomato red like this. <laughs> so you, so you're, you're more of a shy, reserved character, aren't you? I prefer my work to do the talking. As opposed to myself. I hear that. But that's not to say that I don't have a character. Yeah, we can definitely see that now anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so you sort of went against the grain in regards to starting up mm -hmm. your business. So what kind of gave you the motivation to do that? Was that because your grandma was doing it in mm -hmm. the first place? Was that your motivation or was it something else? Or I think it was more than just being influenced by her. I feel like it was a drive that I had that I always wanted to go into that. I mean, from a young age, I still remember maybe like around the age of seven, like I cut up a pillowcase and I turned it into a skirt and I actually wore it that weekend. And people were like, what are you wearing? So sorry, you cut up a pillowcase. A pillowcase. You turned it into a skirt. A skirt and I wore wow. it. And you wore it. Wow. Mm. A pillowcase. Mm -hmm. Was it a nice pillowcase? Mm. It was a bit, you know, those retro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Multicolored, very stripy. So did you so did you wear it? I did. I regret it now, what? but it, I just thought it was a fashion statement at the time. Did anyone like clock it that you're? I seen that in IKEA. 
No? I don't think we used to shop in Ikea. Oh, that, looks like my, that looks like my cushion, that does. <laughs> so yeah, Do you know what, actually? That was from a charity shop, so I have no idea where it was from. Yeah. Mm. So it's for, like one of them like quirky kind of... It's probably of vintage, you know. Vintage, yeah. Have you still got it? Probably, somewhere in the loft. You should somewhere. keep that. And then maybe if you were to auction it one day, yeah. that would go for a lot. By Rima Tatmuri. That's it. It's got the signature there. Do you say it was a pillowcase? Mm. Imagine that. A pillowcase. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh no but that that shows you like creative side really because mm. you've basically made some like nothing made something out of something no made something out of nothing and something out of nothing yeah that works made something into something else made something into something else <laughs> so you're very creative then um did you sort of um were you self-aware in regards to you being creative like mm-hmm. from early did yeah. you know you were a creative person yes or really early on okay. i mean i used to love it wasn't just fashion that i was into i loved painting um making clay things out of clay um so when did you start taking it seriously then when did you start taking your wedding making? when i left to university so okay. up until university my direction was fashion so that's what i studied at uni as well um, but when I left university, I was of the opinion that I was going to land myself a job. Yeah. Just I automatically just thought, yeah. you have a degree, you're going to get a job. Like, it's as easy as that, but that obviously wasn't the case. So what did you study at uni? Fashion design. And did you do like, a, is, can you do like a sandwich course, meaning like you get a work experience? Did you do yeah, that? I did. Oh, so, so you had the experience as well? Yes. And I actually got offered a job okay. in my second year. Oh, you actually got up at the job? Yeah. Yes. That's really good. Mm. I went to London. I was there for four months. Um, it was an interesting time in my life. We're going to talk about that as well. So yeah, did, why so, not? So how did, they, how did they, I mean, um, how right. did they come across your work? How? Yeah. So what happens is you apply for the positions and then you get, they call you up, you have an interview and they'll see if you're able to adapt into that into that particular fashion house because it's almost like a family when you're there. It's not very formal. It's very mm-hmm. informal. And um, the place that I was at, yeah. I'm not sure whether you're familiar with it. So the designer's name is Jonathan Saunders. Um, and I kind of, while I was there, I worked my way from like running coffee errands to pretty much being his right-hand girl. Okay. Um, and his um, main assistant at the time was due to leave to go to Mulberry, so he needed someone filling her position and then right. I got offered the job. Um, but to be honest, in those four months, do you know when you get taken away from your family unit? Yeah. And obviously, as a Muslim, mm. you grow up with certain boundaries, obviously. And in That's London, right. those boundaries get taken away, especially when you're in an environment like that where the only way to network is within bars and clubs. <sighs> <clears throat> and that's the only way you can grow because if you're not part of that family unit as the fashion house and not staying there till late then you're pretty much an outsider and that's the only way you can work your way up oh wow okay mm. was that what you're talking about in regards to sort of it being sort of interesting in london yes which is part of the reason why i didn't take the job oh, okay so oh, did you feel as if it was like a pressure that you had to kind of give in to these sort of social pressures yeah it wasn't a pressure because I'm not gonna lie, I really enjoyed it. Okay. That period of my life, I, I like I learned a lot from it. Yeah. But at the same time, I knew. Firstly, I still had a year of my degree to go, mm. and I didn't. I did want to complete my degree, as much as it was a great opportunity for me. At the same time, I knew that if I was to say yes, then I might as well say goodbye to my family. Mm. What because year, the distance. What uni did you go? Um, BCU. Oh, okay. Yeah. So local Birmingham. 
Yeah. But then you were working in London. Yeah. Oh, so you had to come back, isn't it? It wasn't that I had to come back, but if I didn't come back, I'd be a different person. So how mm. did you how did you acknowledge that? Because obviously you're saying you're enjoying the job, you're mm. enjoying the role, but then you kind of acknowledge that you know if I continue going and working in London, you're sort of gonna detach yourself mm-hmm. from who you probably you know, yeah. who you really are. Yeah. How how did you sort of because you know a lot of people kind of go through that and then learn from the mistake. Yeah. You kind of prevented yourself yeah. taking that route yeah how did you sort of clock on well i was there for four months it probably doesn't sound like a lot of time yeah but it was enough time for me to realize that the weekends i would go back to my family i felt the distance and one of the things that i did when i was at college was i started trying to wear the hijab mm-hmm. but then when i went there then that transgressed and it was back to the days before that. Um, mm. And you can just, do you know when you can just tell sadness through your parents? Like, mm. they're not the kind of people to say it, but they know, like, you're on a journey and then when you get to a certain point, you almost, if you go backwards and they feel it, and then that for me was really hurtful. Okay. Feeling that distance between them, like, I knew that there were certain things in me that were changing. And I didn't necessarily like that about myself. Oh, so they weren't direct about you, like, oh, why have you, you know, transgressed? Oh, my mom, my mom made a few comments. Oh, I, really, I yeah. still am. Um, because in an Asian household, you would have felt that different. Was that about the hijab? Like, <laughs> yes. why are you taking it off? I, yeah. Do you know what? I still remember one experience where we were walking towards the ball ring, um, and I wasn't wearing it at the time. And I'm going to try and translate this because she said it in Arabic, and it she. Basically, what she said was, there was a guy looking at me. Say in Arabic first. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear in Arabic first. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to try and see if I can even remember it in Arabic. Um, Wait, do you not speak Arabic fluently? Yeah, fluently. But it's Lebanese Arabic, so it's it's not formal. Oh, okay. Um, Just try your best. Okay. Okay, so she's like, do you want me to say it in Arabic and then translate it? Yeah, so say in that, say in Arabic and then... Okay. So basically, she goes, Can you see that guy over there? I was going to try and like copy it. Can I try it? I want to try yeah. it. Say, say it again. Shifty Hadeka Rujel. Shifty Hajekal Rujel. Oh, good. Not bad. Not bad. You're getting me Arab ones, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Um, um. <laughs> yep, you got the Yeah, 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 well, really good. You got the uh, really uh, I am a Lebanese. <laughs> 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 so I can put, put the Lebanese flag in my That's bio. in your bio now. It's my bio. <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> so basically, that translates to can you see that guy over there? I feel like he's lit- like he's eating your flesh. Oh, that's, no, that's deep. That's no. deep, yo. And I, yo. Probably, and I probably haven't even said it in the exact way in Arabic. So is it like a big statement for your mom to make? <clears throat> yeah. Like it was, it's because quite it, intense, it, it was almost like, because obviously I'm her daughter, so to have somebody looking at her daughter, it kind of like... Yeah, of course, like I understand from a parent's perspective. Yeah, but I obviously, I didn't even see that guy. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, exactly. Could have been a normal guy, just, you know. Looked over by chance. Yeah, Your exactly. mom looked over by chance. Exactly. Why you looked at me? <laughs> exactly. So I still, I still remember that actually. 
sits in my head. And obviously, like now, you can see I'm still struggling with it. Okay. But for me, I'd rather have something on my head than nothing at all. And that's my struggle. I see. Oh, it's interesting, my you know. Um, the hijab, we've seen people put it on, we've seen people taking it off, we've seen people, you know, doing different styles. So, obviously, I'm not a girl, so I wouldn't, I can't say I don't understand. I don't yeah. know the struggles with it. But I know there are struggles with, yeah. you know, wearing hijab. My sister, she wears a, you know, hijab, mashallah. And, um, she, she, and she wore it, you know, out of her own accord. Like, we, we, there was no pressure. We didn't say you have to, like, you know, do you know what I mean? So I think it's important that people sort of, me personally, I think this is quite important that it's it should be your choice. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And because you, you can only do something when you want to do it. Mm -hmm. If you feel as if you're doing it sort of because someone's told me to. And I think that goes with anything in life. If you're mm -hmm. doing something because you feel as if you need to please X, Y and Z or you're doing it just to look good for yeah. so and so, you won't have your heart in it. And it'll always be a struggle. So that's quite interesting. That's quite interesting. So is it something that you still struggle with then? Or? Mm. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I'm not sure if you guys know much about Lebanese culture, but if I go back to Lebanon, they'll look at me mm. and be like, whoa, you live in England? Why do you look like that? In the sense that I do dress quite modestly in comparison to a lot of my family members there. Um, oh, is it, so is it quite open? It's very liberal. Um, so it got colonised by the French. And um, they obviously brought a lot of their culture there and in terms of it being a Muslim it's not really I wouldn't class it a Muslim country because there's so many different sects so I'd say it's pretty much split 50-50 between Christianity and Islam but even in terms of Islam there's hmm. Sunnis a lot of Shias a lot of Dursis there's so many different sects that you can find there no one's like the same like you could bump into someone that's completely different in belief and whatnot yeah I mean you could come across a female Muslim and assume she was Christian just because of the way she dressed. Okay. Wow. Also, they don't wear the hijab down there, basically. They wear very little. Forget mm. hijab. Forget so, hijab. So, so if you were to walk in, let's just say, a wedding, for example, mm -hmm. and you wore the hijab, would you get looks? Um, No, I wouldn't get weird looks, awkward looks, but I think it would... For them, it's more confusing because I've grown up here. Mm. Do you know, you know, like, because I've grown up in England, they already assume that you're going to be a certain way. What modern. But not their version of modern is different to what. Our so they're very liberal is. in the in the way they dress. Very. But they think you're going to be modern in the way you probably think, or every way, even in the way I dress. Oh, so they think you'd even go more sort of liberal. Like, yeah, less clothes basically. But you've gone the opposite, and you've yeah. sort of went more modest. You know, you wear the hijab. Yeah. And um, do you know what I think? Some people forget is you know when like your parents leave their country, and then they come here. The country, when they leave, doesn't stop in that mindset. It's still developing. So what happens is, I, I don't know whether it's a, the same across the board within the Asian community, but for example, like I'll use my family unit. When my parents came here, they want to hold on to their culture and what they know, but what their culture is and what they know is of the time that they left. Mm. Uh, yeah. So as the years are going by, they're still holding on to however back it was that they mm. moved here. Whereas the country over there is still developing in terms of like a mindset, the way they think. So then obviously when they go back, they're, they also have a culture shock because it's almost like, well, when they left the country, the mindset was completely different and they're still moving forward. So then us as a first generation, we're now confused because our parents are trying to hold on to the things that they left with. Well, we're trying to move forward, yeah, but yeah. there's... 
Am I making sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep up. <laughs> no, no, I definitely understand. I so it's like we can relate as well, innit? Like within Pakistan, for example, you go back home in Pakistan, yeah, and it's like you know they they, they expect you to be like in a certain way. Like for mm. example, if I read Masala down there and Marcus and be like, yo, you gone religious, and then they like they look at my beard and they're like, oh, you've turned into like an imam, and I'm like, listen. The countries are definitely changed. The traditions are changing. Yeah, they're gone way more. You know, my my dad's a bit still a bit old school in certain ways. Uh, Certain certain things he's adapted in the way things are done here, and I think you have to, I suppose. But um, yeah, no, I think I think it is probably common throughout a lot of cultures where. But that's interesting because I didn't know they were that liberal. Where they'll probably Mm. you know look at you. Very. Yeah. Very. Right. So wedding dresses. Mm So, you know, a wedding day for someone is probably one of the most important days for someone. Now, you have a responsibility now mm-hmm. to make the... Is it just wedding dresses you do? You don't do anything So when like I first that. started, it actually wasn't wedding dresses. It was more like um, prom dresses, birthday dresses, um, just occasion dresses in general. I mean, when you say wedding dress, it's a pretty big thing no, for somebody I mean, to yeah. trust you yeah, with. Um, and initially, I never thought that my business would completely go down the path of essentially being purely weddings. Um, and then it did. And I ran with it. <laughs> oh, okay, so your initial idea was to kind of cater for sort of birthday parties, proms, things like that, you know, special occasions. But then ultimately, now you just specialise in. So initially, I hadn't set anything in stone, but for me, it was really important that I go down a modest pathway. Okay. Um, because at the time, there wasn't, well, there wasn't anyone catering for modest where within um, the style of work that I do. I mean, dresses are around, they've been around forever. But in terms of like, for a Muslim especially, to pick up a dress that has coverage and sleeves and not look like it's just been patchworked together, just to give you that extra coverage was really important for me. And... Um, I really wanted to do something that would benefit the Muslim community as well without labelling it mm. for Muslims. Mm. So yours is more like a... They, they look like... Well, it's like a Western kind of style, mm-hmm. but with a modest touch. It's a big way, you know, to kind of have that responsibility to kind of make the um, the bride look as good as she can with a modest touch. Did you, did you know before going into it that there was going to be a market for it? Mm. And is that why it sort of kind yeah. of made you push into that? Yeah. Because you're saying, you know, back home they're quite liberal, so I'm assuming they wouldn't want to wear something that you'd make. I mean, don't get me wrong, you, you'll still get a mixed bag of people there. So you'll get people who are really liberal and you'll get people who are um, in the middle and then you'll get people <coughs> to the far extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's still people back home that would want that coverage, okay. but you'd... Um, I feel like here in England, especially, I feel like Muslims want to hold on more to their religion than they would back home. Mm. Um, Makes sense, yeah. I agree, I agree. And that for me has been quite a special thing because I know if I grew up in Lebanon, then I'd probably be completely different from a mindset perspective. I mean, if I was to use my mum as an example, or not just my mum, like my aunts and family members in general, like for them, if I'm using the hijab as the point of um, discussion here they wouldn't necessarily wear it until they hit their 50s or 60s mm. because it's seen as something mm. that the older women wear okay um 
not the younger even though it's mm. it's strange to say that because obviously when you're younger yes, you need to preserve your modesty more than when you're older yeah yeah there's no point after it's like you know it's like <laughs> <laughs> well there's still a point the whole, but you know well, the whole point of the hijab is obviously to make yourself you know to lessen your Le- beauty yeah, more or yeah. less isn't it yeah and then obviously when the, you hit 50 <laughs> they'll probably see it as like you know, all right now it's time to turn religious time to you know go into exactly. yeah. it's like you know and that's definitely a cultural thing <laughs> it's like us lads will say oh we're gonna start growing a beard when we're married like I, mean, I think now, nowadays there's a fashion thing going on with the beard, oh, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see, everyone looks slim these days. You see, you see, fourteen-year-olds with beards these days, and I'm like, yo, you got yo, a beard at that age. It's become a trend, isn't it? It's, it's become, become a trend. trend. Like yeah. My little brother is sixteen, and he's got a full beard. Not full beard. But <laughs> he's got a connecting beard. Wow. Yo, bad. I didn't have a connecting. No, sorry, I didn't have a connecting beard till I was eighteen. No, well, your, your, your beard's quite, it's alright, decent, decent. <laughs> How's mine? <laughs> it's coming along. <laughs> okay, so we're in a global pandemic at the moment, um, so weddings are obviously off. off. Mm-hmm. That's affected your business, I'm mm-hmm. assuming. How has it affected, so, you know, how are you able to kind of navigate through this whole global pandemic mm-hmm. i know you've got a quite a strong brand you know you, you know mashallah you've got a, a strong following on instagram and it's your company is you isn't it so mm-hmm. you are the designer behind yeah. these things um because i want to get into like uh, what your plans are going forward in regards to scaling this business mm-hmm. and things like that but at the moment um i think it's yourself isn't it um you make these uh, wedding dresses from scratch which is quite impressive to be fair however so how have you kind of navigated yourself and how have you kind of kept yourself you know going through a very hard time mm-hmm. <sighs> no pressure can i just be honest yeah just be i loved honest. it at the beginning i'm not gonna lie do you know what because up until obviously lockdown came about on the was it 23rd of march yeah yeah it was the 23rd Run, of march was yeah it, it yeah. was won't forget that date. So yeah. hold on, hold on. That's so when your holiday began. Yeah, I loved it. What's the date Although today? my holiday started a couple of months before that, to be fair. Oh, really? Mm. How's that? So I was off work before lockdown for about six months. So my okay. brother got married in February. So whenever somebody says, oh, 2020, for me, I love 2020 because my brother got married. Did you do mm. sister-in-law's wedding dress? Yes. Oh, Hers, did? mine, my mom's. Yeah. I've literally masterminded the entire wedding it was the best time it was it literally felt like it was my wedding uh, <laughs> bit of a side uh, side note would you ever go into sort of wedding planning mm. you would yeah i love Why? that okay. yeah i love do you know anything under pressure like <clears throat> demands and needs and deadlines i love it so you thrive on like pressure isn't it i mm. think i'm kind of the same actually yeah i love it like i'll just prepare for this podcast just before the guest arrives <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, i'm like pressure <laughs> Actually, sometimes it's not a good thing, but um, yeah, no, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, so up until, so the reason why I'm sharing this is because for a good six months before lockdown kicked in, um, I decided that I wanted to take a break and we were actually going to Lebanon in October 2019. Um, and then the riots broke out and did you hear about that? Over I've, seen, I've seen this uh, one video, like a um, bomb explosion. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. so that came about a little bit after, but um. That was crazy, you know. That, I mean, that was just mad. Yeah, it was awful. 
But you can honestly, like, if you take WhatsApp away from the Lebanese nation, they're coming for you. <laughs> That's what they did. They wanted, the government wanted to charge them for WhatsApp. Huh? Serious? Yeah. And then so they rioted and then it was, it was a nightmare. So anyway, hmm. I didn't end up going there, but I was like, right, I've booked time off work. I need to go somewhere. So... So night, what, what month was this again? What this month was October, October 2019. 19. Okay. Yeah. So five months before lockdown? Or six months, something like that. Yeah, Yeah, five months. And I had, um, so at the time, my little boy was one. Um, And my parents were like, right, we're not going anywhere. You know what it's like when you have a business and you have time off. You just want to go somewhere. You really want to make the most of that time that you do. Exactly. So I decided I'd book a flight the next day to Australia. Wow. With my one-year-old. Just the two of us. (laughs) Okay, that's well, bold and brave. Yes. And that's literally on the other side of the world. Yeah, so. I've never been there before. Yeah, I've never been. So it's like a 24-hour flight, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't have handled that, man. So Transit you... in Dubai and then carried mm, on to Australia. Right. But I have family there. Oh, okay. okay. We're international, by the way. That makes more sense, because I was thinking, why are Australia, like, out of all places? Yeah. Like, oh, let's go Australia. Yeah. Okay, so you got family there as well? Mm. We have family members in pretty much every continent. How long did it take you to get there? To Australia. Okay, so I was supposed to get there in under 24 hours, but the flight was delayed from Birmingham to Dubai oh my by God. four hours, so I missed the connecting flight. So I was in Dubai for 12 hours, tired <laughs> with a one-year-old, oh my <laughs> waiting God. to connect. Um, so yeah, that happened. And when I came back, I was obviously working on the dresses for the wedding. Um, and all my family members came from abroad. So I was like, have, I had about a six month holiday. Like I was loving life right then. And then lockdown came and I was like, oh, because that's when I was supposed to step up and I've been off work for so long that now I just need to get on with it. And obviously that got taken away. And at the time I didn't think much of it because Ramadan was pretty much around the corner. Um, and that for me was the best Ramadan. Like I can't like, when has anyone ever told us to stay at home, fast and pray and do whatever? <laughs> like, you know? Because I feel the same. I mean, so your lockdown has been quite positive. The beginning of it. Okay. Did you, did okay. you like the your Ramadan? The beginning of it, yes. Um, the first Ramadan, we closed and it, I closed my shop. But, you know, looking back, I think that was probably the wrong thing to do. Fine. Not the wrong thing to do, but, you know, if I was to have stayed open, we would have <laughs> smashed it because... I remember, I, remember I was telling you, I was yeah, like, yeah. yo, listen, keep your shop open. Like, all the, no, but I think I needed that time anyway. <laughs> You're missing your sugar fix. Yeah. But I think yeah. I was like, yeah, I just wanted a little break, one. Two, um, I needed to do a bit of uh, fixing up. I needed to fix a few things in the kitchen and whatnot. So I thought I'd use this time to kind of do that and take my time with it. Um, but then... I'm looking at all these other dessert places and they're completely smashing it with all these good yeah, yeah. thinking. I didn't I didn't think I just thought, you know, my plan is my plan, I'm gonna stick with it. But yeah. Um so you were loving it. Mm-hmm. Ramadan's coming up, you're you're literally living life at this point, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can see where you're coming from, you know, the government's literally telling you to stay at home yeah. for a rest. Just I mean that's a a lot of people don't have that that's a huge blessing in itself because I know yeah. I'm seeing from a position what I've been helped out, whereas there's a lot of people out there that really haven't had that help or had any access to any... It's just, it's difficult for me to say it because I can't complain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. I know what you're trying to say. But you got to think about it. Like, so we've got, um, we've had like the furlough scheme 
for example. So a lot of people being on furloughed. I don't know what the rate has been in regards to people losing their jobs, but I know this. You know, people have lost their jobs. Yeah. The restaurant industry had taken a big hit, mm-hmm. where um, they've had to kind of adapt and you know take on this whole delivery sort of side of things. Um, so I know for some people it's been like extremely difficult, yeah. but then other businesses have completely thrived on it. So it's kind of a it's kind of like the people that have sort of enjoyed it and you know kind of made the most of it kind of feel like this guilt to think like here's me enjoying it mm-hmm. and then there's on the opposite because of the same situation people are struggling yeah is that what you kind of yeah is that what you're 100%. coming from yeah um so what would you you know so you're saying at the beginning you're enjoying it mm. did that change at any point yeah it did um so we're past ramadan now we've had aid we've enjoyed all of that um things are slowly beginning to open up again and it feels at this point that right that's it I need to get back into work and then I think it was pretty much within a month that also got taken away and obviously in terms of the wedding industry I think at the time it was like Mm. 15 wedding guests yeah and in terms of my clientele they want big weddings yeah no one's gonna spend on a dress and have 15 guests you know that's pretty much your immediate family and yeah literally and nurse yeah um and then obviously we went into the second lockdown that one was okay i survived because the gym was open mm. um but this one oh, okay this one no. is quite... <laughs> I, think this I think this one's hit worst. a lot of people this one's, yeah. this one's hit a lot of people i think because the gyms have been closed as well yeah, yeah. I mean, it was my year to shine in the gym people but <laughs> I blame the gyms being closed. <laughs> I know, where's Hot Girl Summer right now? <laughs> where is it? There's nowhere to be seen. And the, they're opening on the day Ramadan. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's mad. That's another conspiracy, isn't it? I know. Yeah, I'm going to hold on to that one. <laughs> I love my conspiracies. Me too, me too. So, you do you take um, pre booking. So, you know, I sometimes see on your Instagram that you're pre-booked or, mm-hmm. you know, you're fully booked for like a year. Yeah. So in 2019, were you already fully booked for 2020? No. Okay, so you wasn't? No. Okay. Um, did you have any bookings? In yes. Time? What happened to those bookings? Did they booking? So they, till now, are still getting shifted to the point where last week I got an email because there was um, a wedding that was supposed to be taking place on the 10th of April and obviously restrictions begin to ease on the 12th so that wedding has now been shifted to the end of this year think mm. it's just either people have cancelled altogether yeah or they keep having to postpone I think people are reluctant to cancel because of the venues they take a deposit mm-hmm. and if they cancel I'm assuming that they, get, they lose it which is kind of kind of shit isn't it yeah yeah it's kind of a checkmate situation for them mm. really it's quite it's hard to kind of get around because you've got but then are, some people are liking the whole fact that you know getting married in the whole uh, pandemic like that oh, situation yeah. because they're saving so much money mm-hmm. they're having a few immediate family around their house like I went to a friend's wedding I won't mention any names but I went to a friend's wedding was it an illegal one? no it was Um, I think it was at the time <laughs> where they could have like 15 people okay. <laughs> don't worry bro I got you back special 15 yeah, yeah so I, like, he was, he's one of my really good mates um so we went down and it was nice because the people that were there were mm-hmm. genuinely happy for him and her. And it was, you know, close family and friends. And what what more do you want? Mm. Do you know what I mean? And there was no sort of, you know, you know what weddings can yeah. be like. 
you know, there's a lot Food's of... Food's cold and yeah, look at her yeah, yeah. and look at this and exactly. what yeah, they're wearing. Yeah, yeah. And so I was sitting there thinking, yo, this, this is actually really nice. Like, I'd prefer something like this for myself rather than having something big and extravagant just to please everyone else. Yeah. Again, it's all down to personal preference, but I've spoken to a lot of people and they said, look, I'd rather get married now and have that on top of saving so much more money yeah. and using that for, you know, house and whatever it is that you want to yeah. spend it on. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what that's sort of the sort of things that I've heard from people. You got married recently. Well, not recently. When did you get married? Oh, 2015, but... There's a but. There's a but. I actually had a divorce in lockdown. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Do you want to keep this in? Or? I don't mind. No, it's up to you. It's fine. Oh, actually, I, did, I didn't know that. Because um, you have a child. Yeah. So one child. Mm-hmm. Zane is turning three in two weeks. Mashallah. Is that one of the reasons why you're finding this lockdown difficult? Um, not... <coughs> Not really, because we were separated when Zayn was born. Um, so it's been a long time now. Um, and the divorce came through a few days after Eid. It was in May sometime. Mm. But obviously, like, the last couple of years have been difficult from many different perspectives, whether it's that, whether it's... um being pregnant having Zayn I had Zayn two months early so he was prem he was the size of my hand were you separated before the actual birth yeah are you separated so you were going through pregnancy pretty much on your own and you were going through all this at the same time Mm. okay so did that impact your like business as well surprisingly it's strange actually because if I have some stories from like at the time when I was pregnant and I was it was pretty much like being you know when you go to jail, <laughs> to go to prison. Not, I'm yeah, not yeah, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can all relate. All those Pakistanis. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we can all relate. There's no stereotype in there. No, there's no judgment. Yeah, we're fine. So okay, mm. no, no, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> you know when you went to jail. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so basically, when I was in hospital, I was there for for a good while, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me, but. I was pretty much on bail. Like I had to check myself back in and out, but I had deadlines and I remember I had a client coming in from New York and wow. she was coming in for a week to pick up her dress and I needed to do her final fittings. And I was like, I need to get out of here. Somebody needs to, and on my hospital notes, the doctor's actually written, being discharged to go see client to complete dress to hand over, but returning back to hospital. They had to put a disclaimer on it because I shouldn't have left. Wow. Um, and in that time, I had three deadlines because up until that point, like I knew Zayn was going to come in May of 2018, but he actually was born in March of 2018. So I'd already given myself up until April, I'll get all the deadlines out of the way, I'll have him in May, and obviously that didn't happen. Oh, so it's come like, it's kind of shortened the time. Yeah. You can't cancel weddings or postpone them. They are happening, whether mm. you like it or not. And 100%. for me... I hate failing anyone, um, so I still don't know how I did it, but I did it, and I completed those deadlines and left, and then I was back in again, had an emergency C-section, and we were both, I was in intensive care for two days, and he was on the neonatal intensive care unit for two months, it was a tough Damn, time. Damn, that's very tough, intensive care. Hmm. 
How was that for you? Thinking back at it now, it just it doesn't feel. Do you know when you're going through something, you it's mm. almost like an out of body experience. Like yeah. you see things happening, but you just kind of go. The only way I can describe it is you go with the flow. How did you get? How did you sort of handle this situation then? Like you, you know, you're sitting here like so calm and you know, with a smile on your face. Yeah. It's very emotional, by the way. Um, but my personality is just to keep going. I just keep going. And did you have a lot of support from your family? Yeah, a lot. And to be honest, um, up until that point, I've never, I've never been somebody who's had to go to hospital or anything. So for me, like seeing the NHS and how they work, and it's given me. Do you know sometimes when you hear on the news, oh, the NHS this or they're bad or whatever, mm. and yeah. when you actually see how they work in there and the fact that they're there for so long, especially the nurses and stuff, very supportive. But um, it was tough. But even after we came out, I was still going to work with him. So just to put it into perspective, yeah. So you're going through a separation. Mm. You're pregnant with your first child and you're trying to run a business. Mm. And somehow, one way or another, you got through it. Mm-hmm. That's a quite an achievement to be to be honest, because a lot of women they would have broken down and you know, they would have given up on their business. And it did break down this year. No, but like in terms this of like giving up on this the business, year. so I think you know coronavirus. I think mm. that would have been this good is what for hit you, me. The time is it because you got you had time mm. to think about it. It wasn't yeah. that I had time to think about it, but this is where it goes back to why I was so happy about having that lockdown break because for me I've constantly been on the go with everything like every part of the last couple of years I just take each day as it comes and I keep going um and I'm of the opinion of whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen you can't change that so you just keep going and I'd worked so hard setting up my business that I knew that that was like the one thing that I needed to keep going not just for me but now for my son as well um and now that we've had this break, the initial part was great. I loved it. I got to spend time with him and I just got to take a step back from the constant rushing around. Um, but come this year, in this lockdown, this is when it hit me. It was horrible. Like, And it wasn't that I was thinking about stuff. It almost just comes from nowhere. Um, anxiety, panic attacks. And I'd also moved out from my parents' house as well towards the end of last year. And I just, you know, you just need that space for personal growth to raise him the way I want to raise him. And when you're on your own and you're isolated, things start coming out from the woodworks, basically. And it just catches up. No, because I think, um, you know, during this whole lockdown situation, a lot of people have gone through, you know, mental stress, yeah. mental breakdowns, panic attacks, anxiety, stuff like that. You know, I was just reading the other day, it's quite a depressing story, but I was reading, um, it's an online article and it said that this one guy, what he did, the lockdown got, into, got to him so much that he actually stabbed his wife, killed her, stabbed his daughter killed her you can't blame that on lockdown then, man and then, you can't and then, go around no, 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 people no. yeah of course you can't of course no 100% he's definitely got some mental health and then, then, yeah. what, then what he did he went out and he got like um, he got some oil or whatever dazzled himself in oil and then he set himself alight and he killed himself yeah 
Yeah, he was going to do something else. Though. Yeah, no, but the, no, they were saying on the article that basically uh, when he was going to counselling as well, he was going counselling before that, and they were saying it was all down to like basically he was going through some lockdown stress. That's what they were playing it down as. So a lot of people, they're actually yeah, no, going through you, some kind of deep stuff. Because certain people, they... Yeah, so I mean, yeah. even before lockdown, I mean, think about how big the communities of people that are facing mental health issues. And even like, I thought I was a strong, like, I don't think, like, I know <coughs> I'm a strong person, but it got to a point that there's only so much you can take. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So you, people don't understand, like, look, mental health can affect anyone and everyone. Mm. Um, and you could be the strongest of the strongest, you know, biggest, the baddest, but... You know, if you're put in a situation, you know, if, you, if you're not looking after your mental health, yeah, it can affect you. Just like you said, anxiety, panic attacks, depression. And um, I still believe that we don't talk about it enough. Mm. Yeah, Tyson, Tyson Fury is a good example as well, isn't it? Exactly. Look, he was a world champion at one point, boxing champion. You know, he suffered from anxiety and depression. Now, he should be at the top of the world, literally. Like, you know, from anyone looking out, looking in... That doesn't really understand mental health. They just think, you know, he should be living life. Yeah. You know, and he's got the world title and now, you know, he's had to kind of give it up because of his mental health. Yeah. So that just shows you how sort of important your mental yeah. health is. And, um, you, know, P- you know, you get celebrities that have got it. So it's not like, I think someone that goes through any sort of anxiety, depression feels at, at the beginning anyway, like it's only me that's feeling like, mm. like this. And, you know, I'm, I'm going mad, I'm going crazy. So you're saying, was this happened recently where you were sort of struggling with your anxiety yeah. and stuff? Yeah, I actually, I was in hospital about a month ago. Oh, really? So this is quite ago. quite recent then. Wow. Yeah. I would say it was probably two weeks into the second lockdown. Is that because of your mental health, is it? Yeah. I would say there's so much things I haven't addressed. Um, no, but yeah. With everything, like... Marriage breakdown, divorce, having a premature baby, having to keep working. Like, I just didn't... Like, I didn't have a maternity leave, you know? Um, Did you have anyone to talk to about these things or was it just something that you kept Yeah, inside? just kept it to, to myself. I mean, I remember one point, um, I think I'd gone through about three weeks where... You know, when, like, basic things like just showering. And I remember I used to do some really strange things like put the remote control in the fridge or like pour the milk into the bin and you know you just and then you realize what am i doing yeah and you're a bit like you're not quite focused on what you're doing because you're just trying to get your mind by is the, so like yeah um but after that i managed to get myself out of that headspace but it almost feels like now i've had all this time and so much things have probably come to the surface which i haven't acknowledged which i should have done at the time and it's all just come to light now I think another thing that people are kind of afraid to do and I, I don't know in your situation if you have or not but um, is actually talking to a professional and getting mm. some sort of therapy um, from what I've found and speaking to people it's it's really beneficial because one you're talking to someone with no judgment um, two they can help you to kind of get to the bottom of things or kind of you know understand you a little bit better which allows you to understand yourself a little bit better yeah. because you know like you said you you want to kind of keep everything in and 
show a brave face and things like that would you ever consider getting therapy have you got therapy would that be something that you'd think about yeah i mean when i got discharged they did give me a number to call I've tried calling them a couple of times, but I feel like they're just so busy. And you know when you get past a point where you're just like, okay, I'm fine now. Mm. I'll just get on with it. And then mm. I've kind of put it behind me. I think um, uh, with the whole global pandemic, I think the waiting list to get to see someone through the NHS is mad. Mm. It's actually mad. Um, and I think that's why we should talk about it more is one, because, you know, like for instance, someone could be watching this and and have been following you because I've seen your journey as well and it's it's mad to see because when I when I see your account and I see you like you know mashallah you're on 79 80,000k followers you know you've you've worked with so many different type of clients you, you're traveling you've done like I think it was a documentary I don't know some charity work that you were doing yeah. um you know from the outside you're thinking oh she's living life you know mm. mashallah she's doing so well <clears throat> you know she's over the moon you know because you keep your, I think you keep your love life quite private. Your, yeah. your, so for me, I'm thinking, you know, Masha, she got married, she got kids. So I'm thinking, you know, like fair play to, you know. But I think it's, it's quite interesting because you're still a human being. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And we all go through struggles. We all go through ups and downs, especially in, with our mental health. And I think we should speak about it more. We shouldn't feel as if we are getting judged. Because yeah, of course. Again, someone could be watching this, going through that tough time that you were going through a month ago, two months ago, thinking, you know, I'm not the only one. I'm not going crazy. There is help out there. Like, I've experienced it myself. Like, I, I went through a phase in my life where at one point I thought, oh, what's going on? Am I going mad? Am I going crazy? Mm. Again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm this strong person. You know, I've started the business myself. I'm, you know, why am I, why am I so anxious? Why, mm. you know, why am I feeling like this? So I, I can relate to it as well. I kind of went through a similar situation. And which is, and I don't mind talking about it, talking yeah. about it to my friends, to any any family friends that are going through sort of any type of mental health issues. Because I know at the beginning it can be scary because you don't know what's going on. You're thinking, what the hell? And all sometimes you need is kind of talk to someone. Yeah. Literally just sit down and talk to someone. Okay, that was a bit deep. Very deep. So I can I've got a better understanding of your journey. Um but you still have managed to kind of keep it together. You know, you still got your business, mashallah. Um have you opened up yet? Are you still working or are you still in that process of just like taking it easy? I was there this morning. You were there this morning? <laughs> yeah, I was there this morning. <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, no, sorry. I did see on your Instagram story yeah. you were back at the uh, studio. Not so I'm just, I'm preparing myself. You know when you have a clear out, clear the space, mm. start putting things into order, and I have started taking orders. Okay. Um, I have two straight, for straight after Ramadan, actually. Okay, oh, sure. um, things are looking up then. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Um, which is probably I'm I'm honestly I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. Just the thought about going to a wedding now, bro. I'm going to every single wedding. I'm getting invited to. That. Like, I'm not a wedding type of guy, bro. I'm, I'm going to weddings. I'm, I'm going to parties. I'm going clubbing. <laughs> I'm going clubbing. Listen, I'm talking. You love me, like like I'm going everywhere. Like, can you imagine going to a restaurant and sitting down with your friends and eating? Yeah, and just the normal so stuff, bro. 
That's gonna be so mad. I'm mm. actually excited. So I understand where that smile's coming from. Yeah. I love weddings by the way. I love them. <laughs> do you get a lot of dancing in, in your weddings? Oh yes. Yeah. Do you join in? Do you get I'm do you, the first one on the dance floor? <laughs> yeah. Do you get invited to your clients' weddings? Mm. Yeah. So you build a relationship with your clients, don't you? We become friends by the end of it. I mean, there's a lot of them that I'm still in contact with till now, from years ago. Um, for me, it's such a personal, it's such a personal and intimate mm. time in their lives that it's not just a service. You almost, you pretty much become a part of one of the biggest things that they're going through as well. It's mm. honestly, for me, it's so special and I can't help myself. I just tend to find myself in situations where I just want to befriend everyone. Yeah, Where's yeah. Rima? Oh, she's just on the dance floor again. <laughs> again. She's just skanking it out. She's just there with the DJ. <laughs> Raising a glass. <laughs> the lighter in the air. Hello, everyone, please, though, okay? Let's just make that clear. So, when... What would you say your biggest break is in business? Biggest break? Because... I've done a little bit of research hmm. and I've come across... Are you going to help me out now? One of your clients. Okay. Um, I don't know how true this or probably changed or you probably worked with you know, other people since then. But I think this is... It was a pretty... Just broad t- uh, article uh, on yourself. And it was when you worked with another sort of YouTuber, Dina Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, so you worked with Dina Tokyo. Yes. Did you know her before you started working with her? Yes. Okay, so this was kind of one of your friends? Or? Yeah. So we had a mutual friend um, who was also in Cardiff okay. at the time. So. Oh, she's from Cardiff, isn't she? Yeah. Okay. So um, what was it like working with Dina? Because Dina's obviously um, quite big in the sort of online world. Yeah. Um, she's got a large following. Um, yeah. And you had the sort of, it depends how you want to look at it, pressure, the honour, the yeah. sort of, um, you know, you had you had the opportunity to work with such a big person yeah. online. Obviously, for me, it was a huge privilege. Um, was this like your first, like, major online client? Um, yes, in terms of like an online celebrity. Figure, yeah, 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 yes. yeah. So yeah. how was it? Were you confident going into it, thinking mm-hmm. I'm gonna? I'm gonna I mean, it? up until that point, I'd already developed a portfolio, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like I was going into it with a lack of yeah, experience yeah, yeah, yeah. or anything like that. So, when you started your business in what year? 2012. Oh, 2012. And when did you when did you work with Dina? Um, I think it was towards the end of 2013, okay. towards 2014. So, you're a good solid year, year and a half into yeah. your business. So, you've worked with loads of clients. Yeah. You've got your sort of portfolio up to yeah. a, a good standard. Yeah. Up until Dina, was there any major influences or major any... Before that, um, yes. Um a makeup artist um her name was Sadia Hussein and she was actually the first wedding dress so Dina's dress was also a wedding dress but in ter- when I say wedding dress I mean in terms of like a white wedding dress mm. um, is that like the common color for your culture yeah white. so yeah it's pretty much very western in terms mm. of the Look. white yeah. yeah the white wedding dress and I feel like that's something that's also started filtering I mean I know a lot of Gujarati Indians would wear white. Yeah. Um, isn't that meant to be white? It's meant to be, I think. That's what I heard. Pretty sure, yeah. Because yeah. it's red, though, isn't it? I think, uh, no, I think in in our one it's red. It's mm. red, isn't it? Red. Mm. You have like a red day, then you have a white day, then mm. you have a pink day, then... Really? Then oh, you have all then sorts we, then of Then we have like 10, 15 days. Our weddings it. last for like two months, so... Two months, yeah. Yes, my kind uh, of wedding. 
<laughs> but yeah, I think I feel like a lot of um, Bengalis and Pakistanis now are slowly opting towards that too. Yeah, they are. They are. Yeah, My yeah, friend yeah. had a wedding a couple of years ago, and she was wearing white. I think. I feel like it's it just makes sense because white symbolizes. Purity. Pure, pure. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I'm thinking red, you know, like lady in red, and all yeah, of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, no, true, it's true, it's true, hundred percent. It's quite controversial, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, who's like the biggest, like, celeb you've worked with, or influencer? I would say Gina. Mm. That yeah. is massive. I don't think you can get bigger than that, really. If you if you're talking about, you know, who would you like to work with? Anyone. Okay, that's Anyone. that's a nice answer. Also, oh, you don't really have like a specific like. No. Yeah. Like, I pretty much keep my feet on the ground, and if I can make one person feel special on their wedding day, I feel like everyone should have that celebrity status on their wedding day. So for me, it's yeah, not it's who, like, what names do I work for? Like, mm. I want to be able to reach out to everyone. Everyone. Yeah. You want to be able to be approached by everyone as well, isn't yeah. it? You don't want to be able to I'll, I'll work with the elite yeah. and no, I'll no. work with like celebrities and Although I am Rima Tadmore. No, 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 don't say that. See, <laughs> see, you know what? You know the thing is, yeah, you know because this is the first time I've met you. I've never really spoke to you, and you're really easy to get along with. Really easy to get That's along good. with, like because you know what? You know you you expect like you know you don't expect the but design you, you, you just think no you just think that you know snob in, in, straight to it you know, influences snob, like normally like a certain kind of way yeah because I have generally come across certain influences not they don't have a, you know that many followers as much as you and they're still like a kind of you know they got a cockiness about them they like to think there's something so obviously no I agree that, I think you're very easy to talk you know, to you're very, very, easy very easy and I think really that comes kind. through to your business I'm, yeah. I can yeah. see why and how your clients would feel comfortable so that's why I understand that answer that you gave as well because it kind of matches your kind of sort of personality mm. do you know what I mean I feel so happy right now warm fuzzy do you know no, it's serious. so weird that you've said that though because hmm. initially when clients do come to meet me I mean before this year I wasn't really someone who would put so much of my life out there through my stories and I was I'd say I've always been quite private and I feel like yeah. a lot of people have this stereotype of designers being a certain way and then draws in the whole snobbiness or you know all those elements which you would relate to a designer um, and at the end of consultations the amount of clients that have said to me oh actually we didn't think you were going to be like this and I'm like like what They're like friendly like, what does that even supposed to mean? Um, but it's nice because it just means that they then feel comfortable. And it's almost like, it's nice to be relatable to people, especially when you're offering a service. Um, I'm not saying be a chameleon, but to be sociable, you do have to put yourself in a position where the other person can relate to you and you feel familiar mm. to them. Um, and I do feel like I can do that depending on the settings that I'm in. Because obviously your your brand is you essentially. So, um, you know, I think that's why a lot of people will build a personal brand is because to build that trust, that loyalty, to get to know you, you know, your audience yep. properly. They'll get to know you, you properly. So, because I know you started YouTube for a bit. You made a few YouTube videos and you stopped. Was there any reason why you stopped? Or was it I just... just don't feel confident enough to mm. do it. I just, I prefer my work to do the talking on my behalf. Even though you probably gather I do like talking. 
a lot. But it's it's mm. again like you said, like not a lot of people know who Rima Tadmori is. Mm-hmm. As in, obviously your friends, family will know who you are. Nice, probably you know very easy to talk to. Mm-hmm. But your work is your work, yeah. so people are gonna get this perception, aren't they? Yeah. Designer Rima Tadmori, to work, work, work. Obviously, you post Insta stories and whatnot, so we kind of get a, an idea. Mm-hmm. And that's been very recent, to be honest, where people do see a different dynamic and more of like potentially more of a familiar one where people can essentially relate to you a bit more. Mm. No, I think I think it's good because I think keep doing it because I think like this is what I'm trying to do as well, even like build a personal brand for my web design business. Um, and that's what personal branding is, isn't it? But you, you put yourself out there, people kind of understand who you are, mm-hmm. what you're about. And, and and essentially what they'll end up doing is looking into you as an individual, what service you're offering as a business, you know. So I think I think that would be very beneficial if you can if you continue to do things like this, you know, putting yourself out there. Again, I appreciate your time for today. You know, Thank you, you. you've first first time we've got Rima Tadmori. First time. Can we please have the didn't <laughs> I think you're gonna get a lot more. Like, can podcasts I? Going on. <laughs> oh. No podcast going on. Well, it depends. This, it? it depends who asks me. Hmm. So you're going to try and get yourself more out there now? I think you'll be Let's surprised. Let's see how this goes. I think you'll actually be surprised. Yeah. How, um, okay, look, you've you've obviously taken to Instagram. Um, you were active on Facebook for a while. Mm-hmm. Are you not active as much? You're not as much. Do you still use it? No. Oh, so you don't, you don't really. You're not active on Instagram. Is that probably your most sort of yeah. used and platform? It's partially i wouldn't say it's a forced use of being active on there but if i could take it away i would for me social media is purely there it's obviously fantastic for the growth of my business and getting um my designs out there to the public but you know sometimes i feel like if i could reverse that and take that away and have my business grow from another perspective okay because it's draining so uh, you, you you rather have it like without having your face on there or your name um i feel mean? like there's less pressure i mean sometimes i wake mm. up and there's nothing to post and it almost feels like you have to create content yeah, yeah. to stay relevant or That's to be right. like hey i'm still here um, it is. It's hard. It's almost like having a full time job. No, it definitely is. No, it definitely. I, I I agree. But you know, we we're, we're coming to an age now where if you're not on social media, you don't exist. Mm. Like if you if you're not active on social media, or if you haven't even got an Instagram page, because yeah. nowadays, you know, if you look, if you talk about a place now, if I said to you, oh, you know, go check out Burger and Sauce, for example. Oh yes. A lot of the times, people <laughs> are gonna. You're going to go on Instagram, aren't you? Yeah. You're going to see yeah, what yeah. they're about. So if you're not on social media... You it's don't like you exist. don't exist. So it's definitely important. And mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, you've you've witnessed this yourself. It's played a major impact mm-hmm. in the growth of your business. 100%. But you're, it can also be draining as well. So, you know, they, I can I can understand as well. It's like, like with, with Sweet Dreams, I haven't been as near as active on social media regarding my business page than I, I should be and I want to be. But it takes time, you yeah. know. You gotta plan photo shoots, and and especially if you're a one man band, it's it's very time consuming. Um, 
but it's it's still important mm. do you know what i mean so it's about finding that balance or whether you can afford to get like an intern or someone else in part-time to kind of like yeah. even this you know recording this podcast is taking a big chunk out of my day but i know there's going to be a lot of value into it ultimately yeah so is your plan to kind of continue doing your um what okay i was going to talk about scalability um mm-hmm. quickly because rima tadmori is your company that's your brand you're a designer how, have you got any plans to kind of scale it? What's the next thing for mm-hmm. Rima Tadmari? Yeah, it's definitely something I've thought about. And it almost feels like I've reached, you know when you reach a glass ceiling and you know you need to push through to get to that next stage. Um, and I've really been thinking about this the last couple of years where I do need to start taking on. I mean, before lockdown, I'd reached a point where I was turning away orders. Now when you're doing... Too many, too many orders. Yeah, and when you're doing that, obviously... It's a bad thing to turn away mm. and it's an opportunity actually to scale up and take on a bigger workforce to be able to yeah. deal with those orders that are coming in. But that's almost like a downfall from my side because I'm very, I don't want to say I'm controlling, but I like to control everything that goes on in my business. And I've definitely realized that I can't have my hands on everything. Like something has to give. But then at the same time, I feel like who do I trust? See, you know what? You could take this business in multiple directions. You could go into the, you know, the events route. You could open up your own academy and start teaching and training people. Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? these sort of things? Yeah. I mean, I get endless messages of people asking me to do courses, sewing courses. Sometimes I feel like my fears block me from progressing or doing anything. I almost feel like I've reached this comfort zone um, and adding the fact that I'm mm. not I'm not able to be selfish anymore because it's me and my little one so it's almost like anything and you know what it's like when you're starting into something new or venturing out into something it's almost like your social life gets cut off obviously now we don't have one anyway but I know that there's certain things that I'm going to have to not necessarily jeopardize but there's certain things which will have to take a back seat and I think the person that will get hit with that would be Zane. So for me, it's like, I do want to explore and do other things, but taking that time out to do those things is going to have a domino effect on other aspects of my life. I think, um, you know, with the whole controlling every aspect of the business, I think uh, a lot of people will be able to relate to that because us as business owners, you know, we want to make sure everything's perfect, mm. you know, from talking to the client, from making a product and, and down to the very end of yeah. giving it to the, to the client. We want to make sure we're there, everything's perfect. And it's kind of like this micromanaging every aspect of the business, you know, from the because then you still yeah. got the finances and then you got the social media. So you're literally HR, you know, finance, you're, you're all these departments. Because if you're in control of those things, you know that nothing can go yeah. wrong. Yeah. Slip through, yeah, exactly. And if it does go wrong, it's on you. You got no yeah. one else to blame. But I think it's important, and this is one of the things that I've learned is to delegate mm-hmm. and and you got to understand that these these guys that you take on. Um, it's never going to be a hundred percent your vision, mm-hmm. as much as you want it to be. But you can only sort of give them direction, yeah. training. Uh, but in order for you to, because I was I was going crazy at one point. I think it was the first year. I was pretty much there every single day, and that was purely down to because one, I wanted to make sure I knew what I was doing. Customers are happy, things like that. And secondly, I didn't trust anyone else. I didn't trust anyone else to do anything. I had I used to have staff there in my shop and 
I still used to do their work for them because I still didn't trust them fully. And I remember the first time I left the shop like on its own and mate, I was shitting myself. Like I was there, I was just checking the CCTV every two minutes. But then what I learned is you have to trust them. Yeah. And um, I think if you tried those things, you definitely, because you've, you've, you've got, you've built such a massive brand, you know, mashallah, you've, you've got a big platform and, you know, I can only imagine the amount of opportunities that you've got, but down to you being there and doing everything, it's only so much you can take mm-hmm. on, you know, yeah. turning away clients and things like, you know, people are fighting for clients on one hand and you're they're turning down clients. So yeah. it's a good problem to have. I'm yes. not, you know, yeah. I'm not complaining. <laughs> not, you know, there's nothing to complain about. It's definitely a good problem. But again, it's one of those growing pains, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, and... I think it'll be interesting to see where you are in maybe the next five years. Do you have any others? Let's just say if you, if you weren't doing wedding dresses and you, um, what what would you see yourself doing? Do you have any other sort of passions or is there anything that you, you'd like to go into? Because I know you mentioned briefly about um, going to like event planning and things yeah. like that. Is that something on the agenda? I would, yeah, I would love to do that. I mean, be, being able to put people into contact with all my connections. I mean, through weddings um, and the wedding dress industry, I have, alhamdulillah, managed to reach out to so many different platforms. And it's nice to be able to like bring businesses together and be able to mm. work with them one-on-one and recommend them. And so I think it's definitely something that I would have, um, not would have, I would. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would. I would definitely love to do them. Um, wedding planning and I feel like my brother's wedding was almost like it gave you a taste yeah it did Mm. and I loved it Mm. I really did um but completely separate to that I love animals so I've always had this thing in the back of my Mm. head that I would probably be a vet do you have a cat Mm -hmm. I love cats you know yeah I don't have any animals I don't don't, no I mean my mum she hates animals oh completely you know what's mad because you you know when I see a cat now I'm like, like it's the cutest thing ever. But before I had a cat, and people used to say to me, "Oh, look at that cat, it's so cute." And I was thinking, "Oh, you know what?" Bro, I see people kissing their cats. I like, wouldn't. Yeah. Animals. My, do you do that? Yeah. Oh, cats God. are very cute, though. They're cute. They're stuck up. They're proper stubborn. Yeah, they are. They're a bit bougie. They got yeah, their, like, so they got their own personality. <laughs> no, they'll only they'll only want to chill with you when they want to chill with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and when they want to get stroked and what, that's what my cat's yeah, like yeah. anyway. And then once he's once you've stroked and he's done his thing, yeah, mm. that's it. You won't see him for like for the rest of the day, or he'll just come back to eat. And that's what probably to be fair, it's, it's, it's low maintenance. Though. I isn't mean, it? if humans Smart. took a leaf out of their book, <laughs> yeah. you'd be doing great, you know. <laughs> so be you'd be a vet. Hmm? You'd be a vet. Yeah, but unfortunately, I don't have the science. I can't <laughs> with that. So there'd be a cat there. I'd probably die at the hands of me or something. Rima, it's been a pleasure. It's been um, a massive pleasure, yeah. Been a massive. I think there's definitely going to be um, a lot of people that are going to see a, a part two. So we'll <laughs> yeah, see. Yeah, two. I'm, I'm putting <laughs> it out there already. <laughs> um, Thanks for having me. No, it's been great, honestly. It's been really uh, eye-opening to get to know you a little bit better. Um, I'm knowing it, about the industry as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, A lot of people don't know like, how tough it can be, especially mm-hmm. as a one-man band. But, yeah. If people want to reach out to you online, um, where can they reach out to you? Email. Email. If you want to slide into my DMs, that's fine. I'm not saying I'll reply. <laughs> <but you laughs> <can try. laughs> bougie. There we go. There's the bougie of the designer. 
Again, no, it's been great. Thank you. And if you guys are listening, make sure you like and subscribe if you enjoyed the podcast. And we'll see you um, on the next one. Peace. Peace.